Welcome! It's time for Mindful Venturing, a podcast that helps entrepreneurs and innovators use mindfulness to be more successful at managing themselves and others. Hello and welcome to episode two of Mindful Venturing. So excited to have you with me again on our journey into mindfulness and entrepreneurship. On this week's episode, we chat to an entrepreneur who is navigating his business through the COVID crisis and wants to see how mindfulness can help him manage himself better and others better. Just wanted to say a very quick thanks to everyone who provided me feedback on the first episode. I really tried to cover a lot in there. But as I said in that episode, what I really wanted to do was give people a practical exercise and share my experience um, rather than give a huge background into mindfulness or anything like that. So uh, I think that's worked for people. And uh, so thanks very much for your feedback. If you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. And so now on with the show. When I started thinking about what this second episode should be, I realized that right now, about, I would say, six months into the COVID-19 global crisis, there are a lot of people in my network, um, friends and colleagues, who are trying to navigate their business through these difficult times. Uh, both as leaders and managers and people working in these companies. And in my discussions with them, we've obviously tried to help each other and offer advice and um, yeah, help in any way we can. I thought it'd be really useful to talk to one of my friends who is Steve Huey, an Australian entrepreneur who is navigating his business through the COVID-19 crisis. His business is iflyflat.com.au, which has been really successful in helping people maximise their frequent flyer points. They've done a great job over the last five years in helping so many Australians fly first and business class for much cheaper and in the process have earned themselves many awards and accolades. Now you can imagine this is exactly the sort of business which has been quite hard hit by the COVID crisis. And so it was great that Steve could take time out from uh, his business to talk to us. It was a great discussion. Uh, Steve actually talks very candidly about how before the crisis hit, his business was going really well. So he had to work really hard with his team to navigate through those early months and keep things afloat. And I can imagine it was very difficult because as a travel business, he would have been very hardly hit. And so there were lots of ups and downs and there continue to be many ups and downs. And so what Steve wants to do is give mindfulness a proper go and see how it can help him manage things even better. So a great discussion. I hope you really enjoy it. My interview with Steve Huey. Welcome, Steve. And, Thank you very much for that. And uh, I thought uh, I thought we'd start by perhaps if you could describe your business at a at a high level. Um, I know what I'm going to do when we when I uh, stitch this together is actually do a bit of an intro for you that um, you know obviously talks you up and gives people a bit of background. Uh, but yeah, let's start by uh, tell me about I Fly Flat. Yeah, thanks for Yeah, I Fly Flat. We help people. Utilize their frequent fly points 
we book and fly business class because we realized that using points to fly is the cheapest way to fly. And when you use points, you realize that you can fly business class for about the price of economy. And I think uh, most people will choose to fly business class if they had the choice. And what we do to iFly Fly is we give them the choice and we help business owners earn more points and then yes. they can fly around the world eventually and hopefully in the front of the plane. Oh, fantastic. And so what was iFly Flat or what did iFly Flat look like before COVID hit? Yeah, before COVID in January, we had one of our bumper months. Uh, we were a team of three people in Sydney booking flights daily. We had one of the biggest turnovers and we were expecting 2020 to be an amazing year. And then came February and, you know, the, the rest, uh, it's not yet history yet. We're living it. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, yes, yeah, come to a crashing halt. That must have been quite difficult, actually, because, as you say, you're, you're in, in travel. You're, you're talking to people who are booking with you. Everyone's positive, And you're basing all your projections on, on that. What, was, what, what were your staff feeling like when it first started all coming together or what, what were your, your impressions and your staff's impressions? I think they were in shock uh, because in travel, you, you, you see and hear about the shutdowns and travel is one of those things right now which is the most impacted. You don't hear much news about the travel agency and things like that, but you hear a lot of news about Qantas and Virgin and some of the overseas airlines and you think, well, these are massive companies if they are suffering and thinking about laying off staff and shutting down, then how, how much mass, massive impact is this to the industry? So I think there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, of course, but also it's one of the most reported things in the news. So you, you can't escape it. You read about it every day. Someone's doing something. Yeah, it's true. And, and travel and hospitality would have to be one of, if not the most impacted industry um, as a result of this crisis. Um, and so let's take it month by month, perhaps. So February slash March, um, what, what did you do? Um, I mean, you would have been in some sort of crisis mode. Yeah, so we, we definitely saw uh, travel bookings and requests go, go off the cliff. But in a way, we even still have requests coming for people wanting to travel where we were starting to turn them down because it looked unrealistic that they wanted to fly in July. Yes. So we're actually advising people that um, I don't think it's going to be likely. And plus also in our minds, we were thinking uh, there was no point doing the work now where we believe in our hearts that we will have to cancel or rework that the action already, even though the customer were not aware of that. So I guess in a way we were thinking of the best customers' best needs, not to increase their hopes up, but also in our needs that the fact that we will be, we know that we'll be doing rework. So that was our thoughts. And then we, we did kick off with a, a, a pivot, so to mm. speak, where we started. Uh, we were cancelling a lot of customers' flights. And, and that, I think, in our business was because travel is, like you said earlier, travel is all about hopes and dreams. Mm. It's about relaxation, holidays, yes, uh, or business trips. You go over there, you do a deal, you meet people. This is all forward-looking. Forward 
this is all about something to look forward to, business to look forward to. So when you start cancelling that, you know that you're you're sort of ruining people's yeah plans. Yeah, it's hard for them and it's hard for you. Yeah, so we are in a happy industry. <laughs> yeah, that's so cancelling right. is a sad industry. <laughs> yes, and and because of the uncertainty around how long we'll be in this kind of crisis mode, you couldn't really provide them with future hope. I mean, maybe you could provide them with a little bit of hope to say, well, this should be over in six months, maybe nine months, but the uncertainty just hasn't gone away that much. If anything, it's probably increased. Yeah. So we wouldn't really put a time frame on it, except that we say that 2021, most likely. Yes. And in a way, we sort of get away with that by saying, well, 2021, that's a long time away. And it's a, it's a long year, so we, we can't be too wrong. So would, you, would it be fair to say that your main challenges as a business owner and the CEO of this company were to manage your customers, but then also manage your staff and their morale and the issues around that? Yeah, definitely, because uh, in any company, your team is your business. So having mm. a team engaged uh, and still understanding or how what moves that you're making, uh, keeping communication channels open, but also you need your customers as well. So it's a double-sided marketplace in a way. The customers, some of them are understanding. They know this is not yep. shut down. It's not anyone's fault. Uh, some of them want uh, the refunds back. So we had to come up with a plan uh, to have a, have a middle road. Uh, we mm-hmm. recognise that it was, it was no one's fault. But then again, uh, we should not need to be bearing the bolt of the pain. Yeah. So we, we did it in a 50-50 split. Yeah, interesting. And with your staff, in terms of your management routines or just work routines, is there anything that you changed? Yeah, well, workload has dropped dramatically. Uh, so we still have a weekly team conference course every Thursday. They used to go for an hour, now they only go for maybe 15, 20 minutes. Right. And most of that is just to check in with the staff. Yeah. What have they doing for the week? Anything funny to share? We always have a good laugh. So it's always funny stories to share. Oh, that's uh, great. See what's happening in life. And then we have a little bit of an update uh, about life, life, land, and travel. But then really isn't, it actually isn't too much an update because by the time you say it, next week has changed. Yeah. And it might even be a case of the positivity that you can draw out of this current situation is, as you say, checking in with with each other, being there for each other. You all sort of know the state of the business and where things are going. So if you spend a lot of time talking about that, it probably wouldn't be as productive, maybe? Yeah, I would say no. In a fast-changing environment, there's no point talking too much about planning because unless those plans can come to fruition, because otherwise every single week you'll be talking. It's like fiction at that point. Yeah. Anything could be happening. There's all these yeah. assumptions. Uh, so we just uh, tend to just acknowledge that. One of our meetings, we just acknowledge that most of the things that you read about travel, people's predictions, mm. ex- experts, including me, we get interviewed. What is your prediction? That's just our best guess. Yes. Three hours later, it could change because someone else has made a policy. So 
we, we, we stopped reading that. Or if we read it, we just knew that this is only a prediction and it's not the truth yet. Uh, that's really well put. And I can tell that that's really coming from your years of experience and having built this business up from, you know, just one person to many. And uh, I hope that's really useful for our listeners, especially those who are less experienced. Um, sounds like you've really had to and, and taken a step back from things and been very thoughtful and precise in your communication and management of, of expectations of your people. Yeah, I think what I have learned in terms of experience and I'm hoping uh, the listeners listeners have learned over time is, you know, there's a, a difference between sort of reacting to urgency mm. and when you're in a fast-changing environment, at the start, you want to react and make things right. But when you realize that there's so many things changing, um, sometimes the, the corrections you've done has then been eroded because there's been further changes. Yes. That it's time to maybe um, start hovering higher, I guess, and taking more of a helicopter view rather than in the, in the bushes. And I think that's thing that helps. That's fantastic, Steve. It really sounds like you've done a great job managing your people. Um, what about managing? Yeah, absolutely. What about managing yourself? How's that gone? And I, I know it's hard yeah. to be aware of that at times because, yeah, you're you're in it and and trying to just do your best for yourself and everyone. Yeah, well, that's a really, really interesting question because as a founder, as a business owner, sort of as a as a leader, you, you tend to think that you you have all the answers and you sort of set the but uh, in the most recent course with the teams and things like that, it's about saying that, well, actually, I don't know either. Mm. Actually, no one knows. Actually, we will we'll even say that the government doesn't know, the health organisations they don't know. But what, what they are doing is they're testing and learning. They, yes. They're adapting as they go through, and, and that's the way that we should do. Um, so my personal approach is, it's not to have too much reaction straight away because some of this, linking back to earlier, mm. uh, they're just people's opinions, people's reactions. It's, it's their best guess. They're not trying to lead you anywhere, but it's their best guess. And their best guess is changes from week to week as everyone in the whole world is learning about this pandemic. So if you make too much concrete plans, yes, uh, they all may need to be changed. Or you can take it the other way sometimes. It's just stick, pick a plan, stick with it, and yes. let everything else flow under the bridge. Uh, then at least you know that you're doing something along the right path. Um, so I've, I've been sort of, in a way, uh, taking care of myself by not reacting too much because yeah, very good. there's too much news. And are you talking to other founders, entrepreneurs, your mentors and whatnot, friends, to sort of keep you sane? Yeah, very much so. I, I found you've actually, in this time, able to have more meetings, more Zoom calls, <laughs> yeah, uh, and connect with people even around the world. Uh, I'm talking to friends I've got in Singapore and Hong Kong more often right. than in the past. But in the past, we'll actually meet in person and chat, and yeah. we never use to chat um, virtually. But now we'll have one every fortnight. Uh, talking to other founders is, is interesting because uh, rather than focusing on the current situation, you're focusing about, well, okay, if you had your time to start over again, what business would you do? So mm. brainstorming ideas and really just using that creative side of the brain and thinking about 
What could the future lie if you had no constraint? That's really great. And you also then form a bit of a community of like a, a support group effectively for each other. Mm. Yeah. And also it's very much in the mind. So having this conversation is really interesting because it's, it's actually very much in the mind. A lot of the things that you fear of occurring may mm. never occur in real life, but you, you tend to play out in your mind. So, so if you have done that, then that means that you've actually made it occur in virtual, but you never may not occur in real life. So it's like the reverse. It's like the bad version of visualization. You know, sports yeah. people yeah. in speech, people go on stage to visualize their performance. Yes. And that's supposed to be all positive visualization. But when you have a fear and anxiety, you're actually visualizing the bad things that's going to happen. Yes. So you've but, got to get, get back to the present. So it's really obvious hearing you uh, talk about your experience that in many respects, you're already quite mindful. Um, you're practicing, whether you have consciously done it or not, you're actually practicing a lot of what, uh, what mindfulness is. So I'm curious, um, how, how much have you, how much work have you done or readings and what's, what's your experience been with mindfulness? I've, I've got a subscription to Headspace. Oh, good. <laughs> That's probably, it's probably like the, a gym subscription. You just have the subscription. <laughs> right. But it actually never does anything if you just have the subscription. Yeah. So that's would, been your experience, has it? You've, you, I won't ask you the stats then, but it sounds like you haven't been actively uh, getting return on investment on that subscription. Not actively. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I do think about it often. and. When you think about it, it's only, only supposed to be 10 minutes. Yes. So you do have time to do it. Or less, You never yeah. sort of really get round to it. Huh. Uh, it's like it's ac- you have access to it any time. Well, let's, let's, um, let's think about that. What, what do you think stopping you? I mean, have you tried setting a time of day, like a reminder to say, well, this is, this is the time where I – this is my 10 minutes at, at 10 a.m.? or whatever the time suits. Yeah, I haven't done that. I think I'm just starting to think about it as, as like health, like fitness in a way. Because mm. I, I think if I, if I think right deep down why I haven't done it is it's, I have not seen the benefits of it yet. Sure. People talk about it. People love it. Yeah. And, and if I use an analogy of fitness, People talk about going to the gym, but the thing is it takes time to get yes. the results. And I, I don't think I've actually taken the commitment to work on it to get the results. So therefore, every time you, you do a head space yes. meditation, you finish it, it's like nothing's changed. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know what you mean by that. I, I know, I know you, you don't mean, oh, you wanted instant gratification results. I, I get that. You're more than willing to put the time and effort in. But what I think is interesting in, in my experience and even the studies and so on that I've read is that it, it takes time and, and you have to, as part of the exercise, is to sort of let go of things. And you almost have to let go of your expectations as well of the 
practice of mindfulness just itself. That's and, interesting. So, and, so letting go of the of the also yeah, which is like a it's like a circular thing because you're yeah. not doing meditation at the same time you should be letting go of the meditation. Yeah, it's a bit of a better concept, isn't it? And I think what you'll find if you just make it about the block of time and just remove the expectations and say, okay, um, so for, so for me the headspace works more in the afternoon. It gives me a bit of a boost. Then um, I do other meditations in the morning and in the evening. But my time for the headspace is usually around two, around two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And I have a, a reminder that pops up. Um, most days I do need it at two o'clock because I'm in a bit of a flow of work. So sometimes I snooze it till three o'clock and, and do it then, but I make sure I do it. And it's very telling when I don't do it because I do run out of steam at 4, 4, 4 p.m. or, you know, I, it, I, I do need it. Um, but that didn't come initially. Initially, I was a bit like you. I was sceptical. So my, my advice for you and listeners would be is to just make it more about just the time investment and even do the daily meditations in Headspace for five minutes. You can mm. set it for five minutes and just get yourself into the practice of just being still for those five minutes. So you'll even find that you won't be able to do that. You know, your mind will be racing. That's okay. That will, with your practice, that will improve. And actually, there'll be some days where you won't be able to do that, but there'll still be benefit in that taking that five minutes out. So, so try that. Just setting a yeah, reminder. I, I really love that because that by what by what you just told me is just giving it just the time itself, not even about the meditation. I said the the meditation is the is that what the use of the time is like just saying that this is a 10 minutes and it's just just that time so and then you just do it cutting the expectation of what the meditation might bring you because the meditation is like a slow build right it's like yes. layer upon layer that you don't even notice is building but you, you sort of trust that the, the process will build it how how do you know though in your in yourself that it has been built? Is it truly invisible? Like how, is it is it measurable? Hmm. So many ways to answer that. I think I'm tempted to say, let's just you go through the exercise and let's catch up into it. Oh weeks. yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, because because I don't want to lead you too much, um, and also because I don't have all the answers either. There isn't a one size fits all with mindfulness. And what I'm trying to bring with this podcast is just getting people, much like we say in our businesses, to just get started with something, but do it with some awareness. So what I'd suggest is do it. And as you say, well, how will you know? Well, check in with yourself before you go to bed every couple of days or every night, whatever works for you, and say, huh, how do I feel about, how did my day go? Um, how did I feel let's say, before that meditation and after. Mm. And maybe it's not any different, but then at least you're making yourself aware of, of observing yourself in that, in that context. Yeah, interesting. And because unlike muscles and strengthening things like that, you realise that you, 
previously you can only lift 15 kilos. Now you can lift 30 kilos. Yes. So you know that has taken time to build. That's so, right. So I have but, a personal trainer. I can sort of see that. Where the mind is like your your mind is it's like you're just self questioning yourself. Yes. Your mind's asking your mind, "How do you feel?" And it's like the mind's moved on. <laughs> yes, and the yeah, and then the feedback loop, which I which is why I think your gym analogies is excellent in the sense that it provides a contrast. It's 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 not doing this isn't actually always like you know going to the gym because as you say you, your body and whatever other measurements you're doing give you that pretty instantaneous feedback if you mm. could do three reps on something last week and you can do five reps this week you know that's more than last week yeah but i can tell you that there's just ups and downs um there i've been doing it I, i've been doing meditation and i should point out to everyone that Mindfulness isn't just solely about meditation, but we're focusing on meditation at the moment. Uh, there's so many aspects, and, and this aspect, I've been doing it for about five years, and there are weeks that even I have where I think, actually, I didn't get much out of it. Um, but it's really an, an investment in in changing the connections in the brain, and and the studies have actually showed that you know doing mindfulness for a consistent and long period of time changes your your brain, changes your brain chemistry. Wow. Cool. And um, I think this is the perfect time to do it because you have this yes. moment at home and maybe uh, some people, some of the listeners who have time, uh, more time than, than they used to, not having to rush around. Now, I guess... I will have to say that people probably have more time because even cutting out the travel time itself is more time already. Yeah, absolutely. You've 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 got some more time in the in in the bank to draw on. Yeah. Okay. Good. I think I'll, I'll go along this journey. Okay. In order to see how the the layers upon layers are built. That sounds fantastic, and then we can check on you and see how you're going. Um, and as as I said. Uh, just take the pressure off. Take the expectations off. Don't be don't be too hard on yourself if during these early meditations you get distracted. I mean, most of them talk you through whatever app you're using, whatever method you're using. They do talk you through the fact that actually thoughts are going to enter your head and that's that's normal. But some people do get down on that because they think they're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's not about that. Um, that's actually okay. You will get better over time at at noting it and and observing those thoughts and then getting back to your focus, whether that focus be on your breath or other parts of your body or whatever that particular meditation is doing for you. Sometimes they're asking you to visualise something. Other times there's a mantra that you're repeating to yourself. Um, so whatever you're doing, you will get distracted we can't actually control what thoughts pop into our head. What we can control is what we do with them after they pop into our head. Mm. How I much- think that's, a, that's, that's actually very, very powerful because not just in terms of meditation, but just in terms of life. Yes. In terms of uh, every, every minute, every hour, there's all these things that, that occur that are not related to you, not meant for you, not personal out of your control, but past, but past you. And I think that Absolutely. what you just said was like, wow, okay, 
And you know, Steve, I think over time this will, you're doing a lot of things right, but there's ups and downs and you're going to have good days and bad days. And for someone like you, what this will do is give you, give your mind the space and your body the energy to then work on the things that are really going to make an impact. That's what I found, is when I've done those end-of-day reflections, I've gone, oh, in fact, yesterday was such a day. Um, so um, I've gotten into the routine of reflecting on what I've achieved and, uh, as I said, what, what positives have happened during the day. And I was just so happy at the end of yesterday. And I slept really well, and I woke up this morning at 4.30 with a real spring in my step. <laughs> Fantastic. Because you, you knew that you had done this. Yes, okay, yeah, fantastic. And, and, and I know and, and I knew that I'd actually worked on things which, because, you know, we all have, whether you're in our situation where we're founders and innovators and work in sort of more new ventures, it, it, but it doesn't matter if you're not in that space. We all have things that we want to do versus things that we have to do. And any other tensions that we might have. Some people even have health issues to add into that mix as well. But mindfulness has really helped me over the years, obviously ride the ups and downs, but actually it's really helped me focus on the work that matters and giving myself the energy, mental and physical, to do that work. Yeah, I think that's really, that's really important for business founders to or even just you know, directors of companies to know what is the most important thing to do. Yes. Um, and also to, to allow you, just like meditation, that you're not going to get all those important stuff done, but unless you're heading in the right direction. So the layer upon layer that you're building on, it builds a strong foundation. Absolutely. That, yeah. And, and that's actually a, a good reminder of something else I was going to talk to you about, about morning routines. Um, and so maybe we'll cover that next time. But what, what, what I've also found that helps me with that prioritization exercise or thinking about taking a step back and, and thinking about what the day looks like is that I've developed a bit of a morning routine and checklist, um, which um, I'll share with you next time, yep. which has shifted my mornings to being less about getting to work and more about starting work on the right note. Now, some days it's going to be a day full of things that I just have to do and it's, it's all go, 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 tactical, whatever. But it helps me then step back and on, on those... It, let me start again. On the days when I know I've got a lot on, Having a morning routine and setting my priorities and being mindful in the morning helps me get the most out of those days and not feel too drained at the end of those days. Yep. But more importantly, on the days when I know I'm working on the really highly impactful projects or, you know, impact is also about having an impact on others and, yep. and, and making peop our people to focus, then it also gets me to think about, well, why can't I work on helping this person today. I've, I'm, I've got half an hour. Mm -hmm. But if you just start your morning with, okay, I've just got to do a few things, fuel up for the day and just get to work, um, then you're not going to be as mindful of what, what you can do to really have the best day.
um, mm. to make the most of it. Yep. Yep. I think as you as you're talking, I was thinking one one of the hacks of get, getting things done is, is is just to get started on it. Yes. And because you always have this sort of like mental anxiety that this is going to take so long, this is going to be so complicated. So therefore, I won't start it yet. I'll, I'll wait for the optimal conditions <laughs> yes. before I start doing this. Um, but one of, the, one of the hacks, one of the tricks to your own mind in a way is uh, probably a similar idea as how you talked about starting meditation is actually just just start it. Maybe no expectation of finishing it, yes. but just get it started. And, and the hack and the trick is that once you get started, you get on a flow. Yes. And once you get the flow, you realize that actually what you thought was so difficult is actually was so finished already. Yes. <laughs> because like once you get started, you don't want to you don't want to stop. So you get yeah. it all done. But if you don't get started, you always have these roadblocks that you keep putting on, oh I'll do it later, I'll do it later. Absolutely. And okay, let's say it doesn't go well, but then you've learned something. You yeah. know, if, if after two weeks you think actually this isn't for me, then you can talk to someone and um you know, in this case, we can catch up in a couple of weeks, and and I might suggest a pivot to a slightly different method, um, yep. or some improvement, or some tweak. And so, it's not lost. That time you invested in those first couple of weeks is is never lost. Yep, yep. And also, that that's comparing against there's a a learning scenario and a perfect scenario, but actually, maybe there's no such thing as the perfect scenario. You either start the learning scenario earlier or you start it later. Yes. It's going to take the same length of time regardless. That's right. Yeah. So you might as well start earlier and then have these inputs. Yes. So therefore you can get towards perfect earlier. Because otherwise, sometimes I, I do have in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if I did a perfect, it would be a shortest amount of time. Yes. But maybe that perfect scenario is just a dream. Yeah. There's always a learning. No, yeah, that takes time. It misses. Yeah, I, I, I think it is an illusion. And the scary thing is, some people who've been successful. Um, clearly, this doesn't apply to you, but I think with some people who have been successful, say early on in their careers, especially, they then take that correlation of, well, I got it perfect, and so this is just how I have to work. But really, what they got was lucky. Mm-hmm. All the planets lined up, and it gave them a false sense of. Um, it, it gave them the feeling that it was their approach to perfection that led to this all these positive outcomes. So it gave them validation of what right. they'd done was was yeah. it, but there could be it could have been other factors unknown yes. or unsearched for that could have been the factor. So I'll, I'll actually be in, interested in in the listeners. Uh, Maybe they can write to you. Yeah, that's right. To, to see if they they have any uh, stories about that. That's a great prompt. Um, so yes, listeners, um, in the show notes, click on the link for feedback, and yeah, please let us know your experience. Um, it's been great to hear Steve's experience, and he now has some homework set for him. <laughs> and uh, if you're listening and you feel like you want to join on this journey, please do. Um, Click on the feedback link in the show notes. Love to hear about your experience and join us. And so, Steve, um, I want to say thank you. Um, could talk to you for hours, but I'll let you go. I know you've got work to do. 
and I've given you your homework. <laughs> um, and actually, uh, one thing I'll say about that is uh, accountability works. You know, um, now you're obviously a very driven person, and you you know you you don't need extra motivation or boost. But actually, even if you just need a little bit, um, not just knowing that okay, I'm going to check in with a friend in a couple yeah. of weeks um, might give you a bit of a boost to say yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to stick at it. No, def- definitely it does. I think even the most self-motivated people need their own an extra boost uh, to get what everything they want done because the to-do list is huge. So there's lots yeah. to be done. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was a great discussion. I really hope you enjoyed it. My thanks again to Steve Huey for making the time to talk to me and being so honest and candid about his experience. Also, thanks very much for giving mindfulness another try. As you heard in the episode, his experience is not uh, unusual. A lot of people try an app or try mindfulness, and especially when they're you know successful people like him, they don't really think it's for them or might not work for them or, as he said, he has apprehensions of how effective it will be. That's all okay. Um, What I'd like him and you to do is give it a try. And I hope that working with me in this community that I'm forming is added incentive and helps you, you know, get that nudge that you need to, to try it or keep your meditation and mindfulness practice going. The great thing is Steve has agreed to keep in touch with the podcast and let us follow him on his journey and see how he's going and what works and what doesn't. And I'm hoping that also resonates with you in future episodes so that you can um, learn from it and and feedback to me what your experience is so we can all learn together. So uh, don't forget, you can email the podcast at podcast at mindfulventuring.com. I'll also put a link in the show notes so that you can, with one click, just leave a bit of feedback um, without having to go into your email app or anything like that. So please um, leave us some feedback and let us know what's worked for you and what hasn't worked for you when it comes to starting and maintaining your mindfulness or meditation practice. Now, as tempting as it is for me to dive right in now and uh, pick about what he said and give you lots of tips and tricks and uh, and you know really help address some of those issues he raised and and other issues that I've gone through. Um, but the episode's quite long and I want to keep these episodes definitely under an hour, but most of the time about half an hour. So what I'm going to do is in the next episode, episode three, you will hear my tips and tricks for meditation in particular, and uh, I really hope that helps kickstart your. Um, meditation or restart your meditation practice and hopefully covering off some of those myths and tips and tricks is enough to get you over the hurdle of whatever is holding you back. So, you know, at the risk of laboring the point, please just start. It could be two or three minutes a day, five minutes, 10 minutes a day. I was uh, reading the other day that Bill Gates, yes, the Bill Gates um, has started using Headspace and he's trying it for 10 minutes a day. So you're in good company. The main thing is I hope that 
these first two episodes have both given you an introduction into how mindfulness can be effective in these creative and innovative and entrepreneurial environments. And I hope you're more motivated now to give it a try or keep with your mindfulness and meditation practice. So that's about it for another episode of Mindful Venturing. Thanks so much for your time. As I said, mindfulventuring.com is the website which has not just show notes but lots of interesting articles around mindfulness and entrepreneurship. You can email the show at podcast at mindfulventuring.com and keep an eye out for the next episode, episode three, where, as I mentioned, we'll be covering some tips and tricks to help you improve your meditation. See you next time.